The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 2020 versus 1978. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome back to Action Film Face-Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother brings an action film from one of the random years. I bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria. And a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. I'm Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe. My co-host is my brother, Jason, the Weasel Skull. We are both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun on this episode. I believe what we have here is a half blind fire episode. I'm Maybe trying not. to do the math. I think it's like a quarter blind fire because I saw both. Oh, okay. You still on both before this Be- assignment. Okay. Before blind this fire assignment. for me then for uh, extraction. Okay. Uh, clearly I'd seen Superman. I look forward to its victory tonight. Not that I'm, you know, <laughs> stacking the deck or anything. <laughs> anyway, over to you, Jason. I, I think, I guess I'm the only guy that didn't see extraction. Okay. Okay. Well, you've seen it now. So, yes, indeed, we are going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories. What are those categories you ask? You keep asking. I keep telling. Here it is again. Story. Overall spectacle. Best action scene. The hero and the villain. As you continue to listen to this podcast, you will recognize they are not in that order, but that's to keep you paying attention. But at the end, there's always that deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. As usual, we are joined by our sniper, and it must have been about three months since the last time she was here because she's our quarterly recurring guest. The sniper has one point to give in each category, so the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. Let's meet our sniper for this episode. It is Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Welcome back, Kathy. Hello, hello, fellas. What's up? We're just glad that you came back again. Y'all aren't tired of me yet? No, we already know your favorite movies are Fast and Furious, (laughs) Fast and Furious 17, and Fast and Furious 47. (laughs) But not two. Two's awful. (laughs) You've been. I think we all agree. Two's two's (laughs) terrible. I'll tell you what, Kathy, since you're the return guest, you know, you don't get to answer that question anymore. What are your three favorite action films? And that way you don't have to put up the crap from me and Jason about your selections. How about this? Since the last recording, have you seen an action film that's not, you know, from today's recording that you'd like to remark on? The pressure, really? It was like four days ago, Kathy. <laughs> yes, I went and saw Dr. No, the 60th anniversary of James Bond. Awesome, awesome. Did you enjoy yourself? I had a wonderful time hanging out with one of the Albrecht brothers Mm -hmm, and some mm -hmm. of his friends. 
Mm-hmm. A regular listener and former guest of the show, Ezra Gallo, was with us. Yes, he was. And friend of the show, Grant Potts, was there as well. He hasn't been on an action film face-off, but we should consider bringing him on because he enjoys it as well. I have a question for you, too. I'm curious, y'all do this, you know, what everybody's favorite action film is. I would like to know what y'all's favorite type of action is. Gunfights, sword fights, hand-to-hand, martial arts, chases, foot or car, boat. Very curious. I think I tend to like hand-to-hand combat a lot, and I'm going to be even more specific and say I always perk up a little more when it's a knife fight. Knife fighting was one of the specific combat arts that I was trained in by uh, Master Sergeant Falk when I was in the Air Force. He's really, really good at it. It's really uh, an art in and of itself. And so I really tune in. If you guys remember our Under Siege episode, there was a knife fight in that. Like, I really pay attention because I know there's Hollywood knife fighting and there's real life knife fighting. Real life knife fighting is an ugly and dirty business. I find it the most fascinating. So that would be my short answer that wasn't very short is I like knife fights in particular. And I'll pass it to Jason. I think I'm with Jared on the hand-to-hand fighting, the knife fighting. Similar to Jared, I was trained in military martial arts, the Marine Corps martial arts program, which really incorporates knife fighting, and it also involves your personal weapon. It's about going hand-to-hand and getting enough space and distance where you can, at close range, kill somebody with your sidearm or with your rifle. And it's very fast and it's very brutal. And that's why I really like the John Wick series. They employ a lot of that. And it's really well done. And watching Keanu Reeves, like he obviously just trains his tail off and takes a lot of pride in getting it right and getting it accurate. And so that's really good. Another one that I really like, Tom Cruise did a movie called Collateral. There's a scene in there that's like that as well the the tom cruise does a really good job with so yeah i'm with jared i like the hand to hand kind of mixing in the the knife and the gun fights a little bit it's always shows when the tactical reality is there like you said the actors have clearly trained with real tactics it, i always like that and good question kathy good question thank you so kathy what action suits your fancy i know you're a car girl so i'm mm-hmm. i'm thinking car chases is, is that right thinking, yes you would think that that is the top three, but actually... Sword fights, because you like the Lord of the Rings. Yes. Martial arts is probably number two, but sword fighting is, you know, you combine the two, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you have sword fighting and martial arts, and that's the holy pinnacle for me. Uh, before our two films enter the Video Dome arena... We are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to Crusaders Club members. These are the folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting on show content. They get priority to be guests on the show. A couple of Crusaders Club members have made that request recently, so be looking for them in the coming months and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. Helico Wolf. Oh, oh. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Dave Collins. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keene. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jeremy L. 
Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Right here, right here, sniper. Mark Ross. Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick of Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Steve Cronin. Timmy. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we miss you on the list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance for release. So if you're a recent edition, we'll add you soon. But no worries. Just let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We will get it straightened out. You might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? And it's quite simple. Patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. And you'll help us out here with all our tech upgrades and hosting fees and we'll really appreciate it so please check that out that is patreon.com slash longbox crusade all right now that we got that little bit of business out of the way it's time to crack on and check out these film gladiators that are about to battle for your pleasure this episode i was assigned the year of 2020 and i selected a film i'd never seen before called extraction what year did the randomizer select for you jason I got 1978, and I put into our Videodome arena a movie I've seen a lot, Superman the Movie. All right, two very different films. Superman's going to take on Thor. We've got a fine matchup for this one, folks. It's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is about us discussing beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion, Let's do a quick around the room about where we saw it. Now, as I understand it, Extraction is a Netflix exclusive. So that probably answers that question for all of us. Now, the question is Superman, which I had the TV cut version on my Plex server. So that is what I watched it on. Kathy. I watched it on HBO Max. And Jason. The Blu-ray. Oh, HD Christopher Reeve. I love it. All right, folks, here comes your spoiler warning. We're about to spoil the heck out of these movies. I mean... You may not have seen Extraction. It's only two years old. But Superman? Come on. <laughs> Come on. So uh, here's a spoiler warning. You've got till the end of this little musical interlude to go watch both these movies. We'll be here when you get back. All right. You've been warned. Let's jump back in with some quick info on 2020's Extraction. You're hoping if you spin the chamber enough times, you're going to catch a bullet. It's just easy that way. This is an extraction. So who the players? Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh. <laughs> Some mythic huh? It's a kidnapping. Drug Lord's son. Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life as of six hours ago. You want to survive, you do exactly as I say. 
Who are you? Nein. Alles ist Hafen. Wo? Something's wrong. The city's on lockdown. The job is f Tyler. Tyler. She's found my money. Walking corpse, and there's no way to protect him. You have a family. Yeah, son. He died a few years ago. The best thing you could do for that kid would be to put a bullet in his brain. We can send a chopper and get you out, but you gotta leave the kid behind. Are you gonna leave me in the street? Sometimes. Sometimes I do other things. The cast and crew are as follows. It starred Chris Hemsworth, Rudrash Jaiswell. It was directed by Sam Hargrave. Synopsis goes a little something like this. Tyler Rake is a mercenary hired to extract a drug dealer's kid named Ovi from another drug dealer. The problem is that the right-hand man of the kid's father, a special force badass named Saju, sets Tyler's team up to fail specifically because he doesn't actually have the money to pay them. So he killed them all except Tyler after they did the heavy lifting and got the kid out. Now Tyler is trying to escape the city where everyone is trying to kill him and the boy. Pretty much it. Here's your trivia. This is director Sam Hargrave's directorial debut. He was a stunt double for Chris Evans in Captain America and the eventual go-to fight choreographer for the Marvel in the MCU. Now, according to director Sam Hargrave, there was a nationwide ban on firearms on location in India, and it was so strict the producer had to bring in rubber prop guns without any moving parts whatsoever. So for the first major action sequence during the rescue, these dummy weapons were used exclusively without blank rounds being discharged or anything. They were just pieces of rubber. The entire sequence had to be digitally animated in post to give the impression that shots were being fired. And if you ask me, this is just Jared talking, that's impressive physical acting because I believe they were discharging rounds in that scene and they were acting that. That was kind of cool. I've seen it done poorly and, and this was obviously done well because I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, really cool. And you know me, I always like the alternate world of casting thing. When this project was originally being drafted up, the producers were looking at this to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle or perhaps a Bruce Willis vehicle. So those would be very different movies. But I tell you what, if they kept the same sort of fast-paced action, I would especially like to see Schwarzenegger step up into like a tactical fast-paced role like this. It would be kind of neat. But hey, Chris did a great job and I'm sure we'll talk about it. All right, those are all my interesting, fun facts. Kathy, you usually bring extra trivia nuggets with you. What do you have for us today? I don't know if they're interesting, but 
the writers of this movie are the Russo brothers, which most people know from the Avengers movies. It's actually based on a graphic novel that they also created called See You, Dad, which apparently is out of print. Sorry if you wanted to get a copy, but you can't. And you mentioned Sam Hargraves. I do want to note that his very first job in the industry as a stuntman was on a little show called Supernatural that ran for 15 seasons. (laughs) I think Kathy's a fan. (laughs) My son is also a fan and always tries to get me to watch. It's good stuff. Oh, and did... Y'all notice, well, you may or may not have noticed that Sam Hargrave actually did a cameo in the movie as well. He is the sniper that gets shot that's on the team. He was in the war room when they were discussing the strategy. Uh, I remember the long, him, yeah. The, the beard. long beard. Mm-hmm. That is Mr. Sam Hargrave. His name was G? Yes. Yeah, I think he had a longer name, but he went by G. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. the director. Okay. I like that. I like Good. that. I also read that because he was a director and a stuntman, like he was a stuntman's director. Like he would physically tie himself to the front of vehicles and hold the camera for some of those action shots when they're driving around stuff. Like he did do that. And apparently that is very against the rules of the director's guild. No one but camera operators are supposed to touch cameras, but somehow he managed to do that. I think he is the reason that this movie is a success is all I'll say. I think you're probably right. Yeah, what happens in Thailand stays in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Snitches All right. end up in Thai ditches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, I'm going to pass it over to Jason to talk a little bit about his selection, or as the randomizer suggested to him, 1978, and what he did with it. Well, like I said, I grabbed Superman the movie. My friends, I'm not given wild unsupported statements and I tell you that we must evacuate this planet immediately Jor-El be reasonable once there was a civilization much like ours but with a greater intelligence greater powers and a greater capacity for good survivor superman the movie and the cast and crew included christopher reeve everybody take a pause to just appreciate that for a second (laughs) yes please that's right the man gene hackman and margot kidder it was directed by richard donner The synopsis has a little personal touch because I'm really connected to this film because in 1979, an eight-year-old Jason went to the cinema to see the theatrical release of Superman the movie. The late-year-old Jason loved the telling of the destruction of Krypton, the flight of Kal-El, and his discovery and raising by Mom Pa Kent. He loved the introduction to Lois Lane, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen at the Daily Planet. 
He loved his love for justice. And most of all, he loved that first confrontation with his arch enemy, Lex Luthor. Fast forward 43 years, and Jason's preparing for this podcast. And I still love this movie like I did when I was a kid. Even the change of Earth's rotation scene, you know, sometimes you got to be kind. You have to rewind. <laughs> Trivia. Bond connection. You know, I'm always looking for a Bond connection, Jared. So Roger Moore tells in his autobiography that he witnessed Christopher Reeve in costume as Superman walking through Pinewood and all the ladies swooning after him. And then according to Siraj, he walked through later dressed as Clark Kent and none of the women took notice. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Oh, yes. Number two, to achieve his Superman physique, Christopher Reeve went through a workout regimen supervised by none other than Darth Vader himself, David Prowse. Star Wars connection. And finally, I thought this was funny. Gene Hackman originally refused to shave his mustache for the role. You'll notice in the movie, he always has hair because he refused to shave his, his hair. He wouldn't be bald. So the director got around it by strategically placing toupees around the place, putting toupees on his head to make it look like he's bald but always wearing a toupee. But he wouldn't shave his mustache. And Richard Donner needed him to shave that mustache. So he met with Gene face to face and Richard Donner had his mustache on. And he said if the actor would shave his mustache, the director would shave his mustache as well in solidarity. And Gene Hackman agreed. He shaved his mustache and then discovered he was tricked because Richard Donner was always clean shaven and he wore a fake mustache to that meeting and just peeled it off. <laughs> hey, that's what I do on the live streams for New Warriors occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Come out to play. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. That is awesome. That is a great story. Anything for this, Kathy, before we move on? I, I had three good nuggets in there, but did you uh, find anything else in your investigations? I actually did find a couple of things. Go ahead. I watched a making of video and they talked about the glowing suits that were on Krypton. Apparently those suits were made with reflective glass balls that had to be handled with gloves on because if you touched any of those glass pieces, they became non-reflective. So they had to be very careful. This is about Gene Hackman. Apparently, Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman were in school together, in acting school together, and they were both nominated for least likely to succeed. <laughs> oh. So they made a pact. They were like, suck it, everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Now what happens if we have to kill every other member of this class? <laughs> now that we have the basics on today's contestants... Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. It's a street fight. Oh yes, let's go! It's old school tugging at our nostalgia versus new school really cool action scenes. Woo! Let's get ready. It's time to discuss match game. There are two films with five categories, which means ten possible matches. Place your bets. How many times is Jason and I going to match? I have not seen his scores. He has not seen mine. So what you got? Kathy looks like she's thinking seven matches. We'll see. And speaking of scores, set your score barometer appropriately. A five means it's okay. It's average. It's middle of the road. Something you'd see on a decent made-for-TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, now you're talking. Four, three, two, one. 
Doesn't happen a lot on action film face-off because we tend to pick pretty good movies, but it's happened a couple times. Not so good. Let's get into round one. It's time to die. Round one is the story. How engaging is your story? How original is your story? How well executed is your story? And we will start with, Kathy, your thoughts on the story of Extraction 2020. It's difficult to say this about such an incredible action movie, but the story is quite simple. It's a story of a broken man who risks his life to me as punishment for his past. And that's all I wrote down. (laughs) You're not far off on that, Kathy. And I, I definitely have some stuff I'd like to add to that. But let's hear what Jason might add. No, I think she hit the nail on the head. The story is very simple. It's a rescue story about a broken soldier that has to go in and rescue a boy. And it just really leads into one series of gunfights and chase scenes. And that's fine. That's all the film needs to really hold itself together. To me, the more interesting element was really, I'm just going to call him the Indian John Travolta because he kind of looked like John Travolta to me. But <laughs> Saju! <the> Saju, <laughs> Saju like I thought his story was actually even a little bit more interesting. I felt really compelled. He's obviously a family man, loves his wife, loves his son. He's in a terrible situation that he lost this kid on his watch really through no fault of his own, but his boss has such power over him. If he can't find a way to pull this off, not only is he dead, his wife's dead, his kid's dead. He is a desperate, desperate man. And to me, that was the most compelling part of the story of this movie. I saw that um, they intentionally fleshed out his character a lot more. Hemsworth is just supposed to be the, you know, typical 80s shoot 'em up hero, Rambo, Arnold, that sort of thing. So Saji really was more of the heart of the story than Hemsworth even was. Yeah, I, I think you're both right. I had the interesting experience of having watched in sort of rapid succession a rewatch on John Wick and then Atomic Blonde and then Extraction. And I feel like Atomic Blonde and Extraction are branches of the John Wick tree. Like John Wick sort of changed everything in action film making. And then I feel the influence of John Wick in this, just as I saw it in Atomic Blonde. And I really like 80s period pieces and stuff. So I was like, why didn't I like Atomic Blonde as much? And it comes down to what Kathy said when I first asked her about this story. This story is simple. The story of John Wick is simple. The story of Atomic Blonde is complex. And sometimes it's better if you're going to do that just hard edge, all out action thing to keep your story simple. And I think this movie was a good blend because just like Kathy said, Chris Hemsworth's story was simple. Saju's was complex, but it was just a dash of complexity. And I think that's why it makes it. And I'm not, I, I liked Atomic Blonde. I just, I feel like I enjoyed this a little more. I know this is an action film face off between those two films, but having watched them back to back and feeling that John Wick influence in both, that's just what has something I had to get off my chest. What was the best part of Atomic Blonde to you? The action scenes. Do you know who the stunt coordinator was for I'm, Atomic I'm Blonde? Yes, and it was this cat, Hargrove. <laughs> it 100% was him. He yeah. also did Deadpool and some of the Hunger Games, The Accountant, which is my favorite, favorite, favorite Ben Affleck movie. movie. Oh, Accountant is excellent. Yeah, it's really good. Anyways, let's move into the uh, second half of this. Let's talk about the story for Superman. 1978. Kathy, don't let me down. Again, simple story. 
introducing a new superhero. But what I like, because it's from 1978, it was in the days where stories were linear. Like it literally told us the story from beginning to end. You think about extraction is the complete opposite. You start at the beginning in the middle of action scene two days earlier. But Superman is very linear. I don't like that it's 48 minutes in until we get to see Christopher (laughs) Reeve. That's the bad side of a linear story, but those are my thoughts. Oh, and um, it was swell. (laughs) Not a lot of people are comfortable using that word these days, Kathy. (laughs) Oh, I think it's pretty cool. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome, Kathy. Jason, follow on with thoughts on Superman, and I know you won't let me down. I'm not going to make any earth-shaking remark when I say it is really hard to bring a comic book movie to the big screen because you have so many people invested in that comic book. And Superman had to be one of the hardest of all. If we're being honest, in the 2010s, 2020s, they still haven't got it right. What amazes me was how they got it right in 1978. And the way that the story unfolds, you have to have certain elements in there. And they nailed every single element from the destruction of Krypton to the home life of Clark Kent raised on the farm, to him going to Metropolis as a man and getting his first job at the Daily Planet, to his becoming Superman, to his meeting up with Lex Luthor. Every character moment felt right. It felt like it came out of that comic book. And we'll get into the spectacle part later, but it just how it all blended together, the bones of that story had to hold up put it on the screen and, you know, two hours and change to pull it off in 1978 is a feat that just really leaves me scratching my head today. Like, how did they pull this off so well? So I think I'm tipping my hand, but I'm going to have, I'm going to have a high score for the story. You know, I will too, Jason. I think I'm recapping what exactly what you said, but like you said, we had this in 78. We're comic book nerds. We know the story of Superman. You don't have to tell me the story of Superman. Kathy's not even a comic book nerd. She knows the story of Superman. Everybody knows the story of Superman, right? It's simple. It's basic. It's it's. Not- I know it because of this movie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's it's not mind blowing, but like Jason said, you have to get it right. The key is you have to realize that comic books are silly, but I can tell it in a serious way. I think it was actually the behind the scenes DVD commentary with Richard Donner. He used the word verisimilitude. Like, even though it's fantastical, we're going to treat it like it's real. We're going to treat everything like it's real. Like, it's not silly. Just to your point, Jason, like, I think we went all the way from here to basically Iron Man before that came back. Because Hollywood kept making these movies and going, well, it's a comic book movie, but we got we to gotta Hollywood it up because it's too... It wasn't until Iron Man where they leaned into it. It was like, no, we're going to lean into the, the comic book lore. So in 78, they leaned into it. And they didn't do it again, really. I love Blade as much as that. Blade's probably my favorite <laughs> Marvel movie. Yeah. But that was one of those rare exceptions where making it cooler than the comic was a good idea. Because Blade wasn't terribly fleshed out in the comic. He was cooler after the movies. Iron Man was arguably cooler <laughs> after, after the movies. But anyways, yeah, Superman in 78 just leaned into it, said, we're going to do it. We're going to make it look real. And screw the haters if you think comic books are silly. And I think that's, yeah. Anyway, it's just round one. We're getting excited already. So 
I don't know if this would fit in with the story or not, but I wanted to make note of one thing I paid attention to in that opening scene with mom and dad. I guess it's just culture will always be this way. Mom was worried about his mental health of how he was going to be when he got to Earth. And dad was worried about his strength and his powers. And I just thought that was an interesting part of the story at the beginning, how they made note to differentiate that together they protect him. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that when they're having that conversation by the escape pod. She's like, he'll be alone. Mm -hmm. He'll be strong. You know, and that back and forth between them. That's a really good point. Yeah. And as I've said on many occasions, we get lost in the glitz and the glamour of Superman and his godlike powers and his amazing moral compass. But the story of Superman, as told maybe nowhere better, in my opinion, than in the TV show Smallville, is the story of parenting. And I'll always stand by that. Like Superman is the story of parenting. From his Kryptonian parents to his human parents made him the amazing person that he is. I think that's fascinating. We can start a Smallville podcast right now if you want. Uh, I love that show. <laughs> I'm game. I got him out there. Let's go. All right. We got to double back and score him. So the story of Extraction, it's one of those we've talked about on the show before. I think we all agreed it's simple, but well executed. So simple, but well executed gives you a what, Jason? One to ten. I gave it a six. It was above average because of, I don't know if we'll call him the antagonist because he was kind of buddy with him at the end, but the Indian soldier of fortune, I thought that was enough to bump it up for me. I could help but think like if only they'd ironed out their differences earlier and teamed up, they could have done some real damage. Early on. <laughs> they were taking that drug Lord down in like 10 minutes. <laughs> Well, Jason, we were close. I was a little more generous. I gave it a seven. And basically, as I was wrapping up the film, I was like, yeah, I'm feeling a six on this. And then they did that really cool thing at the end where the kid mimics what he did by sitting on the bottom of the pool. And then he comes up out of the pool and just out of focus, you're like, wait, is that? And then the credits roll. And I was like, oh, that was you get an extra point. You get a seven. <laughs> I, it just that's fair. Just right. It, they they right. fish hooked us, man. They got us good. So, all right. We were just one point off there. Let's go over to Superman 1978. Jason, hit me with that high score. I gave it a nine. The only thing that really stops it from being a 10 for me is the last act a little bit, even though I, I said I, I forgive the fly around the earth to go back in time. To me, besides, it just the physics of it not working out. It just didn't ring quite true something that Superman would do. Altering time would be something that would have some more serious repercussions. That was enough to keep it from a full 10 for me. Well thought out, deep thought answer. I gave it a 10 because it's the story of Superman perfectly executed. <laughs> I so you are going to say that. <laughs> 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 and there's nothing left to do now but go to our sniper. She's got but one bullet to give. Who are you going to give it to? Do you like Extraction or do you like Superman in terms of story? Which one is your favorite? Kathleen. I feel like extraction, like I said, was simple, but yet still a bit confusing knowing who was working for who and all of that. And like I said, Superman was very linear. It was very easy to follow. Very understandable. So Superman is getting this bullet. Let me rephrase that. Superman is stopping this bullet. Nice. <laughs> nice. 
Superman is catching this bullet. There you go. We'll take it. Superman is catching this bullet. I like that. I like it. And that is the end of round one. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Okay, so it's my turn now, and we're going to talk about the hero. Friends, allies, comrades, Superman's got one or two. But let's start with Extraction and, and see what Kathy thinks about our hero in the movie Extraction. He's hot. <laughs> Ten. All right, on to you, Derek. No. <laughs> I think Chris did an amazing job. I'm not the biggest Hemsworth fan, but I really, really enjoyed him in this movie. I mean, he he's like a machine. Focused, one goal. He was risking it all. I thought he did an incredible job. Yeah, no, I agree. I think from that action perspective, man, he was go, go, go all the way. Physically, he carried that movie on his back. But Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. When he's in a Fast and Furious movie, you'll like him better. I know. Absolutely. But it's not, it's not up to me to talk. Let's hear what Jared has to say. What, what do you think about Chris Hemsworth in Extraction, Jared? I think he was really great. You know, he brought the physical gravitas that you have to to a part like that. It's like we said, he clearly trained, clearly worked hard, worked his butt off. Probably took some actual hits and damage along the way because it was a lot of him on the screen. He um, said he was in better shape doing this movie than he was for the Thor movies. I bet he was. And for Avengers. This was absolutely more physically demanding, and he pulled it off with flying colors. Jason, you said, of course, it's the hero round, so we can factor in some other folks. You know, at first, when you know he's with his team and he's talking to basically the oracle of his team, which is a very attractive, I think she's an Indian woman. I was like, this girl's just... Drop dead gorgeous. And then she shows up and starts busting caps with a sniper rifle and an RPG. And I think I fell in love. I uh, want to marry her. I do. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this girl is so awesome. Yeah. So she was cool. And of course, Saju was cool, but he's kind of, you know, is he a bad guy? He's on that line. Yeah. It's, you could put him in the hero category, put him in the villain category. He's kind of 50 50 in the movie. Chris Hemsworth also really pulled off that emotional state of guys that, We've known, Jason, guys who are addicted to service and combat, guys who would rather be in another tour than face tough things at home. We've known those guys. So that definitely hit me in the heart a little bit. So it was a good job overall. Yeah, that's a really good point. That person that just can't function in society. Life outside of combat is complicated and overwhelming. And he did pull that off really well. All right. Let's talk about Superman. We've all heard of Superman. Kathy, what are your thoughts about Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder and Jimmy Olsen? And There's no one in this movie other than Christopher Reeve for me. <laughs> it doesn't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down, he is charming beyond belief. He oozes confidence and vulnerability. He's flirty yet serious. He's innocent yet worldly. He's smart He's funny. He's mischievous. He is Superman. And I adore him. Well said. I, I think I think that, Jared, do you have anything to add to that? Because I think that is the perfect summary right there. That is. I, I have to beat this drum every chance I get, so I've got a chance, so I'm going to beat it. But Christopher Reeve is the perfect Superman. I've never seen anyone better. That's not a slight on Brandon or Henry, they're all great in their own way, but I said it once, said a million times, I'm going to say it on this podcast. In order to be a perfect Superman, you have to not only make me believe that you're Superman and that a man can fly, 
you have to make me believe you're Clark Kent. And this guy, that moment when he's at her apartment and he shows back up as Clark Kent and she walks out of the room and he just takes off his glasses and stands up straight again. It's just like, oh my gosh, I just saw two different, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. I just saw two different men on screen and just, wow. It just chills up my spine every time I see it. He's perfect as Clark. He's perfect as Superman. I, I, it's like, I'm done. <laughs> I have always said to have a good Superman, you have to have a perfect Clark Kent. And there is no more perfect Clark Kent. The first time you see him, the first time he stands up and pushes those glasses up, that smirk on his face. If uh, you don't fall in love with that, uh, I, I don't know that you have a heart. You got that right. I remember being a kid, like when you first see the scene where you first see him and they're in the alleyway and the mugger. And I'm like, what? I punk out and like pass out, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand. You grew up, you're like, Oh, this is such brilliant acting. It's ridiculous. The grin. I mean, like, and like you mentioned him at her apartment, it's like when he's watching her fall in love with him, like the grin on his face. And he's just like, mm-hmm, I got this. Oh my God. He's just amazing. I like think very much Lois. <laughs> I think you're both right. I keep thinking of the tagline on that poster. You will believe a man can fly. You could just say, you will believe. You will believe. You will believe this is Clark Kent. You will believe this is Superman. And that's all you need to say. And speaking of flying, like, it's so obvious, you know, what they had to do to make him fly in Superman. But you believed it because of what Christopher Reeve, the actor, did. Just with when the behind the scenes thing I watched, the director said that. It's like, he flew because just the small body movements he used, like the tilt of his head or the movement of his arm, it's like he was controlling that flying. The first time we see him exiting Fortress of Solitude, the director said that was the first time and he was on the wires and he literally came to the screen and he's the one that arced off to the side like that. That was all Christopher Reeve doing that. It was an interesting fact that I read when I was doing my research for this that Christopher Reeve. He was a glider enthusiast. That would make sense. applied that principle to his flight, and the director said that made it more realistic. Very interesting. Good discussion. So it's time to score them. We got two pretty good heroes here, so let's start with Chris Hemsworth in Extraction. What did you give him, Jared? I gave him a solid seven. I think he did a really good job. He had great physicality. Again, he played that sort of tortured soul really well. Did he carry the movie as much as Christopher Reeve carried Superman? No, but he was no slouch. So I would say he was just as cool as Roger Moore in A View to a Kill, and he gets a solid seven. Well, it's our first match game here. I gave him a seven as well for all the reasons you just said. Should we just throw our tens on the table here for Christopher Yeah, we don't have to waste time. Ten, okay, ten, 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 ten. we got to make up some time here. So. Christopher Reeve, Superman 10. All right, Kathy, where's the bullet going? As if I have to ask. There is no question. Superman's catching this bullet, too. Uh, uh, uh. Well, round two is in the bag. Back to you, Jared. All right, that means it's round three. That are alive, you are coming with me. Round three is the villain. How menacing is your villain? How entertaining is your villain? How memorable is your villain? We will let Jason go first this time about the villainy of extraction. Well, the villain's Thailand, Jared. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that's basically the whole city. <laughs> Seriously, I had a little bit of uh, difficulty trying to figure this one out. I didn't know whether to consider the Indian Special Forces guy as a villain or not. So in the end of the day, really, he faces off against that guy and then just a bunch of faceless goons that are coming after him. The stupid kid that becomes a villain at the end of the day is kind of interesting. You got the corrupt general guy that gets in the sniper duel with the lady at the end, and that's kind of cool. But at the end of the day, there's not really a standout villain unless you count the Indian Special Forces guy. And I didn't really in my score calculation. So I'll just leave it at that. This was yeah. this one was kind of a mess villain wise. Yeah, I didn't either. I considered the main villain to be the bad guy drug dealer that was teamed up with the corrupt military guy. That's I, I did too. Yeah. Uh, Kathy, what do you think? Yeah, I wrote it was just too confusing. I felt like everybody but Rake was a villain. But even more so, the dude throwing the kids off the building. Come on. Mm. But no, I think that one kid, especially, that he literally lets go. And then 45 minutes later, here this kid is trying to kill him again. Yeah, totally showed that kid mercy and it was his undoing. Yep. Frustrating. I had a problem with the villains, too, because I literally thought it was... Everyone, because even for a moment, I thought, you know, Jared's new girlfriend, the uh, woman that he's in love with. Uh, That's my wife. Oh, Jared's sorry. Jason's wife. That's my I got wife. Confused. <laughs> According to the paperwork um, I have, I can't get within 300 yards of her. <laughs> Same. I, for a minute, I don't know why. I was like, is she setting him up? Like yeah, they? I didn't know if we could trust her either. Right. So I literally, at some point, counted everyone as a villain. Yeah, by the time we were on that bridge, I was like, just shoot everybody at this point. <laughs> I think they did. I'd, I would actually like a kill count for this movie because it was a lot of gunfire. You know, we had the same discussion around John Wick, which is, you know, royalty here at Action Film Face-Off, but it had villain problems. It just had villain problems at the end of the day. Its main villain was this old Russian dude. There's no way he could keep up with John Wick. So in movies like this, you kind of need that faceless army so that the hero can do really cool things. But anyways, yeah, we'll come back and score that in a minute. Let's get to Superman 1978 and talk about Gene Maurice Feldman Hackman. Jason, go. It is just as important to get Lex Luthor right as it is to get Superman right to have a successful Superman movie. I've told you some of the stories about how difficult Gene Hackman was on the set and how he wasn't willing to accommodate a lot for the character. Having said that, what he brought was a perfect mix of menace and humor that really forged his character. There are some dark moments mixed with some levity, which were only accented with Otis and Miss Tessmacher and his frustration sometimes of being with them. Whenever he was on camera, you had to stop and watch him. So hats off again, just perfect casting. Gene Hackman, despite everything else, brought such charm and menace and comedy to this character that he made a perfect Lex Luthor, in my opinion. Kathleen, don't disparage on this podcast. No, I, I thought Gene Hackman was amazing. I do have the knowledge of John Cryer being an incredible Lex Luthor, though, as well, from the Supergirl TV show. 
I know he was apparently in Superman four, which I may have watched whenever it was released and I've never seen it again. So I don't remember that, but he's a great Lex Luthor in uh, Supergirl. But anyway, no, I thought Gene Hackman did an incredible job. I just had a lot of holes in history, I guess that bothered me. Like, I know he's smart and he's an evil genius, but how did you put together that kryptonite is going to kill Superman? Like, it's not in a book. Like, you, he just made it up on the spot. It's like, it'll kill him. He had no idea. I mean, there's no way he would have an idea that kryptonite was going to kill Superman. He's an evil genius, Kathy. He put it together. He explained it all to Otis when he... But he didn't. No, he didn't. He told him that but he didn't really explain how he figured that out in that moment he just said it's a meteorite it'll kill him because it's from his planet that's all he said well it turns out he was right yeah he he was taking a guess (laughs) and he guessed right he was right i think she makes a good point you know as comic book nerds i think we just accept it (laughs) as an outsider doesn't read as many comics kathy's a more critical eye and i think that's fair well and that's also the thing I'm always going to struggle with in these movies, especially with you guys, is because y'all do have all that comic book history that I don't have. So y'all may have already known that. I mean, because I also question, how did Superman know Lex Luthor's name? He dropped into Luthor's lair, which is the second best thing in that movie. <laughs> I love that lair. But he dropped into the lair and it's like, all right, what do you want, Lex Luthor? I'm like, wait, have they met before? How does he know his name? He talked to him through the little... But did he, he say, that message. Did he say dog his, whistle thing? I think he said, this is Lex Luthor. Did he say his name? Okay. Greatest criminal genius of our time. <laughs> well, obviously I love Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. He was great already. And then came the scene where he says, well, I've actually fired two nuclear missiles. Like one's going to California. One goes to New Jersey. And his test mocker goes, but Lex, my mom lives in New Jersey. He just looks at his watch. <laughs> And shakes his head from side to side. He does do evil well. Evil with a sense of humor. Evil where you have to chuckle. like <laughs> It's so evil, but it's funny. Did you get the sense that he sent it to New Jersey just solely to kill his kind of mother-in-law? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you know, and one thing I am torn about, Kathy mentioned that she loved the underground lair. And I love it too, but I actually prefer a more powerful Lex Luthor. I like it when he's a business tycoon with a penthouse office. That's how I prefer him. Not like hiding under the streets, but it was a really cool set and I'm going to let it slide. As I just like the location because it's Grand Central Terminal in New York City and that's an amazing place. It's a Park Avenue address. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there and it's awesome. So (laughs) under below ground. (laughs) Okay, let's double back and score these things. Uh, The villainy, little nebulous on extraction, Jason, one to 10. I gave it a six. I don't think any of the really hardcore villains were standout-ish to me. So, yeah, I just ended on a six with that one. Match game. Uh, Like I said, I I can kind of picture in my mind the bad guy drug dealer and his military buddy that was helping him kill people. So since I can remember them, I'll give it a six, but no higher. But we got our match game in. Let's go to Superman 1978 with Gene Maurice Feldman Hackman. If Gene Maurice Feldman Hackman had taken the extra step to either wear a skull cap or actually shave his head, he would be a 10. He did not. He's a 9. I will remind you that he did wear one at the end with the skull cap. (laughs) 
I know. <laughs> I know he did. But the baldness of Lex Luthor should have been there. Fair enough. Still gave him a 10. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Flawless victory. Uh, much like Christopher Reeve, I've never seen a better Lex Luthor. I want Gene Hackman to be Lex Luthor forever and ever. No slight on him. I, I like them all, particularly like the uh, Michael Rosenbaum version, the younger version in Smallville. I like them all. There's not a one that I don't like, but, uh, well. <laughs> you need to watch Don Cryer. <laughs> that might not be true. <laughs> not big on the one of Batman versus Superman. That's I definitely like the weakest link in the chain. No slight on the actor. I just think it was. Jesse? I like the actor. I just don't. It didn't play it right. Didn't. I think he got bad direction. I still like the movie, though, for all you haters out there. Don't get too mad. I, I enjoy it. Anyways, I'm giving him, uh, giving Gene Hackman a 10, and I'm going to hand it over to Jason. Well, it's spectacle no, time. I'm oh. giving Gene Hackman a 10, and i got to find out from Kathy what she's going to do with her sniper bullet. Since the villains were confusing and generic in Extraction, I'm going with Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor in Superman. Sounds good. Well, so far, sniper bullet-wise, Superman's getting a clean sweep, but we're starting to hit the spectacle round. We got some 2020 spectacle with extraction, but we're looking at the whole thing. The effects, the stunts, we're looking at the settings, we're looking at the music, soundtrack, all that good stuff. We'll start with extraction. Kathy, what were your thoughts of the spectacle for extraction? The note I took under spectacle? Yes! <laughs> That's all I wrote. Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm, I should have said that another hero of this movie was Sam Hargrave. I think his background as a stuntman, he's the magic that made this movie the spectacle it was. From beginning to end, even the, the scenes that are supposed to look like they're continuous scenes, what they had to do to film those they had to perfectly match to make it look like one continuous scene. And they did because I couldn't tell that it was spliced together. I think the spectacle of this movie is incredible and I really enjoyed it. No, that's really well said. Jared, anything to add? Yeah, the spectacle of this movie really is in the action and the nonstop action. I remember texting Jason as I was watching. I was like, good luck coming up with the action scenes on this one because it's nonstop. <laughs> like it doesn't stop for about an hour. <laughs> that's not like hyperbole. It's like about an hour of just all the way full throttle. You know, we factor in cinematography. They definitely showed you Thailand. And I think it was filmed in Thailand and India. They showed you the beauty of it, but with the grit of it, it kind of put me in mind of when we did Walter Hill, the warriors, the warriors that showed you the beauty of New York, but also showed you the grit of it. And so I thought that was good. The music was pretty good, not super memorable, but it's more of a driving, it's it's following the action is what the music is doing. So I thought it was uh, uh, well lit, well shot, well paced. Yeah, it's got a lot going for it in spectacle. It, it, it's in league with the John Wick film when it comes to that kind of spectacle, and that is a high compliment. And you mentioned the cinematography. I did make note of that as well, how I love the way it was filmed. I'm sure they use GoPros like they do nowadays, but you literally felt like you were in those cars with them. Like you felt like you were down on the ground with them. You felt like you were in the middle of the action. Definitely. Well, it was a different kind of spectacle in 1978, but we had a man flying on the big screen. Let's talk about Superman. And Kathy, what did you think about the spectacle there? 
This is when I'm going to get flack from a couple of people on this podcast. Yep. Uh, Jared, prepare to fire. Prepare to fire. I mean, I, I adore this movie, and I'm going to say that for every half of Extraction I watched, I wanted to be watching Superman over again. So, obviously, it has something. But that something for me is Christopher Reeves. I got bogged down in the special effects. Just did not hold up for me. That opening scene where they're zooming in on Krypton. And it's little things. Like, I think it's because there were no stars. So, it made it look fake to me. Like, it was literally just a solid black background with the model that they were using. The same thing with... It was one of the camera angles at the funeral and it was just like the colors were off. So it just didn't flow to me. It was little things like that. The water is always horrible to do when you're doing miniatures. You can't miniaturize water. So the whole dam incident at the end and all the rocks, I'm like, they're pebbles. They're not. <laughs> so it did, it did take me out, but I mean, Christopher Reeve, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to watch this movie over and over again because of him. You know, you bring up some fair points. You're wrong, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I accept it. I accept it. No, no, you do bring up some fair points. Jared, anything to add? I know you particularly have an ear for like the music. And of course, the music here is iconic. I don't want to be accused of leading the witness, though. So take it oh, away. Oh, I was totally going to talk about the music. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, I think I guess I'm just better at putting myself in a 1978 frame of mind when I watch it. I think a lot of it still holds up i find charm in the miniatures work i guess uh maybe i'm just a sucker for the film but like we talked about spectacle is something that includes a lot of things just like you mentioned jason it includes the score and to me john williams has done a lot of great stuff indiana jones star wars jaws superman to me this is the best one when i hear this music all the way from the soft opening all the way to when you first get those just ramping up i get chills music makes me emotional uh it's hard for a score to affect me emotionally but i mean i swear to god when i hear this song when i hear this score play there's just that eight-year-old kid in me for just a half a second thinks maybe just maybe if i try hard enough i could actually fly and for that alone, this movie's getting a gosh damn 10. I know we're not scoring yet, but look for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Whenever I hear that music, my shoulders go back a little bit. My chest puffs out a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I can take on the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just well, the music wins the spectacle. <laughs> <round for me. laughs> I was going to say, that's a. Woo, that's some high praise right well, and there. I mean, I don't want you. I don't want y'all thinking I'm bad mouthing this movie because I do love this movie. No, fine. Also, maybe spectacle to me is. I mean, I understand music, and I guess because it didn't draw me in as much because I mentioned this to Jared the other night. When I hear the first few notes, I'm not sure if it's Star Wars, if it's Indiana Jones, or if it's Superman. I always, as a child, especially. I always got him confused. I don't. I didn't know which was which. I see you glaring at me. Stop it. I hope you enjoy your last appearance on Action Film. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold on, Jared. Let's be fair because, you know, if we all agreed, this would be a very boring podcast. 
All right. And I'm not disagreeing that the music's great. It, no, if I it, totally if music. If it doesn't stir you the way it stirs somebody else, it's okay. Well, and this is a, one of those things that Jared and I grew up with this in our household. This was one of our go-to movies as kids. And so you're looking at it with fresh perspective. Right. And well, so, I, mean, yeah. I saw I saw it probably the same time. I don't think I don't remember if I saw it in the theater, but I know I've Jared watched and I it. remember well, I remember I saw it in the theater, <laughs> obviously. I was ah, oh, that was one that so I was like I had to wait to catch it on you, the TV. You version. take me to the theater to see this, mom and dad. Maybe it's just, just put I, me up for adoption. Maybe <laughs> it's just because I can't focus on anything but Christopher Reeve. So there's nothing me, wrong with that. So to me, there's literally nothing else in this movie but Christopher Reeve. Well, it's going to be kind of an interesting score, I think. I think Jared tipped his hand a little bit on, on, on Superman. But let's start with the spectacle for extraction. What did you give that, Jared? Well, brace yourselves, folks, because one of the big things about spectacle is do I check my phone? Does my mind wander? Do I stay engaged? I stayed insanely engaged. Jason, it's a 10. Flawless victory. I would watch this movie in a heartbeat again. I can't not watch the screen. It gets a 10. Wow, that is, I did not see that coming. I'm going to be honest there. I looked at it a little bit more cold-eyed, I think, it's definitely well above average for me, but some of those action elements, I was like, eh, it's kind of overstaying its welcome. <laughs> I got a little burned out. I could see, okay, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this was the second time I watched it, so I think, you know, maybe if I'd watched it the first time. Yeah, I, may, I, I might have that first watch high. That's a good point. Yeah, so for me, I landed on an eight for extraction. I can see it. All right, well, I think the cat's out of the bag. And okay. Flawless victory. I gave it a seven. What? What the f*** is happening on this podcast? <laughs> now, that, hey. I had to say spectacle, right? Because there is a lot of lag time. Jared, Jared has just left the room. <laughs> Shutting off all the lights and leaving the room. Now I don't feel so bad about what I said. <laughs> well, then I looked at it, and I because yeah, the music's great. It's iconic, right? But there's not a lot of spectacle. Cole until almost an hour into the movie. The spectacle that they have is great. It's old. It's dated. But for me, it still holds up because it still evokes those emotions. But does it really have all the spectacle, uh, the bells and whistles uh, for an action film perspective? I, I, I can't say that it does. So seven for me. I kind of agree with what Jason's saying, though, because I guess it depends on what you interpret as the meaning of the word spectacle. So I can see how, to me, music is more the heart of a movie, kind of like you were saying, Jared. But just in my mind, when I think spectacle, all I really think about is visual. I don't know why. I need to adjust my thought process, apparently. (laughs) Your thoughts process is your thought process, and that's just fine. Um, Jason, I had the same discussion around Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is he going to score it as... 50-year-old Jason or 12-year-old Jason, and, and I mean, 10-year-old Jared is here to just run the scorecard for Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. All right, Kathy. Scores are out. Jared's disappointed in me for Superman. Who's getting the bullet? Well, he's probably going to be disappointed in me as well. I have given Superman my other four bullets. This bullet is going to go straight to extraction for Spectacle. 
<laughs> All right, Jared, when you're over the shock, it's your round. I might be a homer for Superman. I'm just not realizing. I think you might be. I love Christopher Reeve. I love the theme song. I love Gene Hackman. Everybody can blow it out. <laughs> All right, let's get into round five. Round five is best action scene. We pretend it's my round. It's not. It's Jason's round. Jason's going to break up each of these movies in their respective action scenes. Good luck, Jason, on extraction. I would just say first half, second half, if I were you. <laughs> you know, however you Pretty do. much how I got it broken <laughs> down here. Hold on. Then he's going to break down for uh, Superman as well. Here. Yeah, he's got his notes. Anyway, well. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Anyways, we're going to pick our favorites, and then we'll double back and score them. It'll all make sense in a minute. Jason, let's talk extraction. Okay, with extraction, I have five action scenes. I broke it down into five. The first one was the rescue the kid, where he has to actually go into the apartment, big fight scene in the apartment, and get out. And I called that one Candy Graham. Plan <laughs> <Land> shark. Plan <laughs> shark. The second one when he escapes the ambush, when the guy kills everybody and then there's the car chase and then there's the fight scene on the balconies and then he gets the bus and finally gets away. I, that was all just kind of like one big mashup yeah. action scene for me. I called it. I know we fighting, but that curry smells delicious. <laughs> I just, I couldn't help but notice that big truck full of curry that was right there. That was just <laughs> delicious. All right. Number three, when he fights the kids, which is actually a pretty good fight because there was like some good stunts and stuff there. And I called that one beat on the brat, beat on the brat, <laughs> beat on the brat with the baseball bat. There we go. <laughs> Number four, fighting David Harbour. I don't remember what his character's name was, but Stranger Things guy. <laughs> Hopper. Right. Which is funny because I called it, I'm going to kick you in your stranger thing. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the bridge fight. And I called that one, I'll cross that bridge when I blow through it. Nice. All right, let's pick our favorites. You know what? We'll even let Kathy go first on this one. Kathy, of those selections, which one are you going to go with? Okay, well, I like the first. I like the rescue is my favorite. You really That's... liked that rake scene, didn't you? You were I... really, okay. Oh, man. <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay. They filmed it from a rakish angle. <laughs> <laughs> well, they said that they wanted to break it down because he came in, guns and all that first. The guns kind of went away, disappeared. And then it was him having to use other things in the room with him, hence the rake. Those went away. And then he ended up hand-to-hand. So it's their way of showing all that he could do with his fighting. That That's- is fair. All right, Jason, which one do you like best? It was tough. I really liked the bridge scene, but I had to agree with my son that fighting on the balconies was just really cool. And the car chase was really cool. So I like, I know we fighting, but that curry smells delicious. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Uh, they're all good, but I like that one too. That's like the point in the movie where I was like, I was like the, we rescued the kid. I was like, oh, this movie's pretty badass. And then I was like, okay, it's not stopping. This movie is like really, going. really badass. Crazy. <laughs> Like it just kept on going, so I had to give it props for the legs of that scene. I do want to give a special shout out to the David Harbor fight scene, though. Not necessarily even for the fight scene, but I thought it was a brilliant piece of filmmaking where the kid killed him, and without any dialogue, with facial expressions and everything, you could feel 
that kid's horror at killing another human being and rakes. I don't know what the emotion is, but he's, he knows how the kid feels. He remembers the first time he did that. He, like he feels bad for the kid. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, the kid doesn't need to go the way that I went. And the weird thing is by the movie he's doing the same thing that he did. So is he becoming the same person? Who knows? Interesting though. I thought it was brilliant filmmaking. All that to say, I like the second one, man. The curry smells delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that curry smell. I know we fighting, but that curry smells delicious. All right. We'll come back and score those in a minute. How'd you break down Superman? I mean, a great spectacle movie, but not a lot of action. So how'd you work that out? Really? I had four spectacle scenes. I felt I had to find something for the first act. I thought the destruction of Krypton kind of fell into that category. So I threw that in there. Mm-hmm. I called that one great. Now I'm never getting the stains out of these whites. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, you need oxyclean. <laughs> That's right. Get the stain out. All right. Number two. Really, this kind of kicks off with Lois's rescue in the helicopter, and then it leads into that montage where he's being Superman. So I kind of grouped all that together. Starts with the helicopter through the montage. I just called that one. Get to the chopper. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number three. And I know that this was kind of from the TV perspective. I can't even remember if they had it in the movie, but the rating of Lex's den uh, with the machine guns and the ice and the flamethrowers and everything. And then he gets suckered by Lex Luthor uh, with the kryptonite. I called that one. Put your crypt in the box. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> Get a box. <laughs> he used like the old string of the book. He's like, don't open that box. <laughs> Superman's like, I'm going to open that box. <laughs> don't open that box. <laughs> I'll put my crib in the box. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then finally, number four, intercept the missile, repair, damage, reverse time. I just lumped that all together. And really, this one's kind of unique. I have three options because you can do it from the lowest point of view. The Jimmy point of view or the Superman point of view. So if you're inclined to look at it from Lois's point of view, I called it, you're going to have to dig deep to get to the bottom of this story. (laughs) Jimmy, damn. (laughs) Excellent. And Superman, time to be kind and rewind. Love it. (laughs) All right. Jason, why don't you go first this time? What's your favorite action scene from Superman? I liked four. I liked the end of it. I liked him repairing the damage and saving Jimmy and ultimately saving Lois, even though I still have kind of got to really squint to see through the flaws of that one. But I liked four. All right, Ken. I'm going to go with the destruction of Krypton. Okay. Kind of torn between the mid-movie montage. What would you call that one? Uh, get to the chopper. Get right? to the chopper. Kind of torn between get to the chopper and put the crypt at the box. Because, you know, you have to have that special edition with the extra TV footage for Crip in the Box for him to go through that gauntlet. So it's rarer. So it's kind of, you get a little more excited when you see it. Because, like, oh, it's, it's the special version, you know. Uh, but ultimately, get to the chopper. I mean, it's pure Superman on screen. Bad vibrations. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's you can't, right. can't go wrong. So that's what I'll go with. Let's double back and score him. Jason, you and I both liked that curry smells delicious or something along those lines. Yeah, the curry smells delicious. Yeah. <laughs> To the tune of? I liked it to a tune of a nine. I know I gave Spectacle an eight overall, but I just thought that the film angles and just the different types of action, the driving, the fights, and just the mix of everything was really cool. So nine for me. 
All right, sir. And you know how I am. There's like certain scenes in Blade that I will pop in Blade just to watch that scene or certain scenes in John Wick I'll pop in just to watch. And those are the kind of scenes I give 10s to. This is one of those scenes. I'm giving it a 10. Flawless victory. Nice. I thought it was just totally engaging. Again, it might be like first watch high or whatever. Maybe if I watch it again, I won't like it as much. But man, I'm excited to go back and watch that scene again. So it's getting a 10. Jared's just doling out the tens. I know. See, y'all thought I was going to be a total homer for Superman, but there's a little bit of a comeback thing going on here. Uh, I'll get to my ten on Superman here in a second, but let's. Uh, <laughs> Jason <laughs> scored his favorite Superman scene, which was remind me again. I like the uh, the, end. What, yeah, the end of it. We'll just call it, <laughs> yeah. Damn, we'll call, or, we'll call it damn. <laughs> look at Jimmy's point of view. <laughs> What'd you no, like it too? I thought it was a seven. I thought it was good, solid action scene. And you know what? Fair is fair, folks. I glowed up the spectacle round to a full-blown 10, basically just off the music of John Williams and some of the other things I like. But I had to be fair on this one. Picked the action scene of Get to the Chopper, which was a montage Superman thing. It was a lot of fun. Was it super action? Can it even compare to what happened in Extraction? No, it can't. I gave it a six. I thought it was fun and interesting, but it didn't wow me. You know, it wowed me when I was 10, of course, but and I'm sitting here looking at them. I gave it a six. So, Kathy, shock the world and tell us which one of these movies you thought had better action scenes. Hmm. I'm going to go Extraction. I had already written that down. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is it. I'm going to hand it over to Jason for the final quasi round. Now, this really pisses me off to no end. This is the deduction round. It's the round for the ridiculous if there's anything from either of these two movies that we want to take off for a total of 10 points for either movie, now is the time. So, Jared, I'm going to open up discussion on extraction. Are you taking any points off? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Much like we talked about in John Wick, Jason, as a military man, I'm quite certain there's something or a couple things in there that are flat out ridiculous. I don't care. I'm not taking any points off. It's just too much fun to watch. So if there was something ridiculous, and there probably was, I missed it. I don't care. It was great. No points deducted. I feel the same way. I mean, we can get overly critical, I think, of the film. But for the most part, I aired my grievances out on the scoring. All right, let's close the door on Extraction. Open the door on Superman. Any points? Like, I got to even ask this. Any points you're going to take off of Superman? Uh, it gets plus five for Larry Hagman. That is true. We had a Harry <laughs> or Larry Hagman sighting in there. And uh, Cliff from Cheers. John oh, yeah. John, yeah, right. Yeah. He was the controller in the missile. He found control. his way into Empire Strikes Back. He found his way into Superman. <laughs> the guy's everywhere. But no, I, I actually am not going to give any uh, bonus points, but I'm clearly not going to take anything away either. If I could give more points for the score, I would. It emotionally stirs me. I don't know if I conveyed that earlier, but I'll just leave it alone. Can you take one away for not one of those soldiers thought to stay with the giant missile? They all had to surround. You could, and I did notice that, but I'm not going to take, because it basically there's a law in the Albrecht household that you cannot take any points off of Superman. Can't break that law. So no points are going to be deducted from Superman the movie. Well, then that's the end of our official rounds. Okay, folks, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home. We do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. Our match game, surprisingly low. Only three matches on this episode. 
So you might be all right to drive home on this one. As far as our sniper points go, Kathleen blessed Superman with three points and Extraction with two. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 91 to 78, Superman! You better believe Superman's getting at least 90 points. <laughs> Congratulations to Superman. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... What's that sound? Is that the Retro Rewind? Oh man, we're going to go back in time a little bit. It's that time again to pick an action film. And Jared's going to get... Choose your destiny. Nineteen sixty-four, and I'm gonna get choose your destiny. Nineteen fifty-six. Holy cow, Dad was six years old. <laughs> For those of you who don't remember the retro rewind, I reset the randomizer from 1950 to 1969 so that's mm-hmm. that's the window what will those films be well we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening and we're looking at you dave or you can tune in next episode and find out until then i'm jason weasel skull albrick and you can find me on social media at weasel skull on twitter and jason albrick on facebook and instagram and you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, which does include some Christopher Reeve book page sketches. Stop by. Help me feed my family. Actually, I spend all the money on nachos. But anyways, Kathy, what about you? I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat. All at AU Kathy 2418, and that's Kathy with a K. Awesome. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, whatever Google's calling their platform. Now, all your finer podcatchers, or you can go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade. Again, uh, we're on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's all at Longbox Crusade. And while we're here, Jason, we got a Apple podcast review. No, we didn't. We did. We did. So we got a Apple podcast review from an account called Baltar Star Galactica. (laughs) Baltar Star Galactica gave us a five star review titled it two films enter one film leaves and it simply says the all brick brothers have one heck of a podcast so thank you to baltar star galactica that was very nice of you and we really appreciate it and with that you know what if you want to be like baltar star galactica and leave a review that's awesome or you can also do a voicemail you can call us at 707-532-5269 we will play it on the show once again that is 707-532 lbox pick up the the phone. phone That's nice. Oh, just edit me out at this point. (laughs) 
Uh, don't forget, once again, to check out our YouTube channel that we are slowly growing. We'd love for you to be part of that. Just go to YouTube and check out Long Box Crusade. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down and, and your, your knuckles, knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. So, fun fact for the listening audience, as I found out watching Dr. No again for what I think is the 50th time, when you watch it the 50th time, Dr. No gets away in the end. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> Superman's real name is Cal L. <laughs> <laughs> That's not him. Jonathan Kent likes to drink soda. I know, balls. Um, hang on, I had one other one. What was it? Let's have a fact off. The S on the suit, it was actually the Godfather. Help me out, name Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, who said the S shouldn't stand for Superman. It should be the family crest. And that has stayed true. Oh wow. I, I've known that in comic book lore for years. I didn't know that was his suggestion. Yep. It became comic book lore after his suggest oh, after his suggestion. Interesting. I think I Saw that in maybe Supergirl. Isn't it the Kryptonian symbol for hope? I think is what they called it. And yep. also the family crest, of course. Possibly. All right, mm-hmm. your turn. Go. Hang on. What was the other? I can't find it now. Margot Kidder likes to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Boy, she smoked them cigarettes. She pounded them menthols, man. I have a few questions for you. <laughs> I have a few questions for you, Superman. <laughs> what color is my underwear? <laughs> I had another one that was kind of funny was that Marlon Brando refused to learn his lines. And when he's giving his talk about why he's sending baby Cal L to earth, his lines are literally written on the baby's diaper. He's yep. reading them the off same the thing in the Godfather with Robert Duvall had to wear his um, Brando's lines on his shirt. Well, that means. Have, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I do have a question about that time. Uh, uh, the world part. Um, wouldn't he have still had to do all the same things that prevented him from saving her You're not allowed anyway? To ask questions about time travel. <laughs> uh, yeah, the time travel thing. Like he went back and just saved her. I'm like, yeah, but what about all the other stuff that you needed? Did you to just let done? all that yeah, stuff happen? Those, kid, those kids on the bus are dead at the bottom of the bank. <laughs> That's right. That really bothers me. That and the fact, like, you know, gravity is what holds our atmosphere in place. So that moment that he stops. The Earth from rotating, like all the gra- all the atmosphere is going to explode into space, and we're all. I guess dead. that doesn't bother me nearly as much because it is a superhero comic movie, so I I accept those things. <laughs> it's a ten. Everybody, shut up! It's a ten. <laughs> all right, all right. Because it's kryptonite, Kathy. He's weak. <laughs> but he has like he can't lift a five pound rock. It's like COVID, man. He was. A- <laughs> he muted himself. <laughs> I did mute myself, which I need to do more often. <laughs> But I like the name of the the box. <laughs> okay, what what is it again? The box, crypt in a box. Put your crypt in the box. I want I want to put my crypt in the box. All right. All right. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no safe way to go. I, with that. I 